Animal advocates, welcome to another inspiring episode of the, the Rising Lioness, where we explore the important topic of pet adoption and the forces reshaping it. I'm Erica Salvamini, your host, and today we have a special guest, Nicole Patrick. Nicole is a devoted social entrepreneur with a fascinating background and a strong passion for animal welfare. We're excited to have her join us today. Uh, so let's, I'll tell you a little bit about Nicole's background and then we'll just jump right in. Nicole started her career in film during high school. She attended the Juilliard School for Opera at the age of 17 and has appeared in various TV productions such as All My Children, 30 Rock, Gossip Girl, and feature films directed by Woody Allen, Wes Craven, Mark Lawrence, and others. It was Nicole's love for animals, though, that led her to launch a boutique pet matchmaking service in 2014, which later grew into Chic Chien Chateau, a 501c3 nonprofit foster-based pet rescue that has been featured in The New Yorker. By rescuing pets from impoverished areas and moving them to affluent ones, Nicole's Rescue has raised funds to save dogs with life-threatening illnesses on death row. And it was Nicole's experience in this rescue, in this rescue industry, that led her to create Rescue Spot, a new and potentially revolutionary technology-driven platform that connects pet adopters with companion animals that they seek to love and the rescue organizations that help make that possible. So folks, please stay with us to learn more about Nicole's journey and how she continues to make a positive impact in the lives of rescue dogs around the world. Nicole, it's such a pleasure to have you here with us today and for coming on to share your, your background and your life's work with our listeners. I've really been looking forward to our chat today, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you more. Yeah, definitely. So we'll just jump right in because I know people are eager. They want to know more about your journey into uh, pet rescue and how you got started. So I was wondering maybe if you could tell us a little bit about your background that led you to create Chic Chien Chateau and become the passionate supporter of animal adoption that you are today. Absolutely. And good job with pronouncing Chic Chien Chateau. When I, I worked on it. <laughs> <laughs> when I first named the the little matchmaking service Chic Chien Chateau, I didn't realize that I would have to be spelling it out to people on the phone all the time and how difficult that would be. So very good job. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I, growing up, always loved animals. I became a vegetarian when I was five and a vegan when I was like 13. Um, and I always wanted to work with animals. I thought I wanted to be a vet. And then because my family was in the film business, I started acting at a pretty young age, um, and singing. And there wasn't ever really a way that I was able to work with animals because I was very busy auditioning and on set. Um, but I knew that I wanted to help and give back. Um, and at some point in my life work with animals, I just didn't know when or how that would come to be. Um, I always had pets growing up. I had, when I was living alone um, during high school, I had one dog, a Yorkie, um, named Tabitha. And one day I was out um, walking around in Manhattan and I saw one of those little designer boutique pet stores. And I just walked by it. I kind of knew that pet stores weren't great, but I didn't really know the extent of them. Um, and I walked by it and walked inside and saw that there was an adorable little Pomeranian that was probably, I think she weighed half a pound and she was just shaking this tiny little fluff. She looked like a cotton ball, um, a black cotton ball. And she was just shaking. And you could really tell immediately that something was wrong with this 
puppy. Um, I started speaking with the staff at the pet store and they just assured me that it was cold and that she was nervous and she was totally fine. Um, but I just knew something was off. And so when I left the pet store, I called a few different animal rescue organizations, the ASPCA and I thought in my mind, oh, surely they'll be able to go pick up this puppy right. from a pet store and pay all the money that it costs because um, I didn't know that much about rescue. And everyone sort of just laughed in my face and just said, OK, good luck, lady. Like, we right. can't help you with this. We have so much other um, rescuing on our plate already, especially to go pay money in a pet store. So I kept going back to the pet store, hoping she would get purchased by somebody and she just was there and she was clearly declining in her health very rapidly. Um, I knew that I had to do something. I already had a pet, so I couldn't tell my parents that at 16, 17, I was getting another pet. So I put together the funds to buy her. I immediately brought her to the animal hospital. She ended up spending about two months in the ICU there, having to be um, hand fed like every few hours or she would have hypoglycemic attacks. And luckily she was able to survive this and she's now 17 and a half years old and living a very happy, healthy life. Um, Tribeca, the Pomeranian. But this totally, yeah, <laughs> it was a very sweet story. Um, but it really changed the trajectory of my life because I just started doing deep dives into why this pet would be, would have been so sick. And the vets told me about puppy mills and, my whole life view sort of changed. And all of a sudden the world of puppy mills just became everything that I was seeing and reading about and trying to campaign against. Um, and so I realized that it was the perfect way for me to start a matchmaking service where I could give back to animals like I wanted to and do it on my schedule um, and also try and teach the world about the horrors of puppy mills and backyard breeders while also getting adoptable pets adopted. So I started Chic Chien Chateau. And what I did was essentially try and convince people that instead of going to a pet store or one of those shishi designer breeders, that I would find somebody a similar pet for adoption somewhere in America. So that name is a little bit tongue in cheek then, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. I think that's great. <laughs> What a what a beautiful story. It's uh, super inspiring. I can relate to it. And I know tons of people in because I, I have been in the business of pet care for a lot of years, too. Yeah. And so I happen to get and see a lot of the um, puppy mill dogs that come in, frankly, and people don't understand, you know, we spend so much money, I don't understand why they're, you know, like this, and we just love them so much and want to take care of them. And, and um, you know, why do they have all this trauma? And, you know, they've lived such a wonderful life, but, you know, it gets to the, the, the way they've been treated their whole, whether they have been treated poorly or the mamas that were treated poorly in the whole puppy mill process. And as we know, scientifically speaking, the patterning, it just kind of transcends down through the generations. And so they all suffer, don't they? And Absolutely. And health-wise too, you know, they're just, they're so inbred that these poor yeah. dogs don't have a chance. No. And a lot of them, yeah, they don't, they don't make it. And they still put them out there in these cages and wait for these, these also, you know, unfortunately unsuspecting people who just want to take a baby home to yeah. love and take care of. And now they get saddled with these huge um, vet bills, which, you know, for some people they can afford it for some people, most people they can't, yeah. but it's not even a matter of that because a lot of them don't even survive or don't have the quality of life to live a life that's worth living. 
exactly um, because they're so sick. So yeah, I I applaud you for your work and but I know it it sounds like it just wasn't even a a case of where you had to think about it. You just had to do it. It was like part of your mission in life. So that's awesome. I can relate to that. Um, so let me ask you a, a, an interesting question, which I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. I know I was when I first heard about your story and, and who you were. When this transformation, a personal life transformation, going from actress, and I believe you come from a long line of uh, actors and actresses. Yeah. and Yeah. So and then you move into, I'm going to be a social entrepreneur. And it wasn't something you were thinking about. It's just something that was driven, you know, heart led for you. What was that like for you? Making that change? Was that challenging? Interesting? I'm sure it was, uh, yeah, all of those things. <laughs> it definitely was to say the least. Um, it was a slow transformation and it was really one of those things that were just like, that was just the universe pushing me in a direction. Um, I, you know, when I started Chic Chien Chateau and it was just a matchmaking service, I was still acting a lot. I was still auditioning all the time. Um, and the matchmaking service didn't actually end up being very successful. I really ended up like sending thousands of applications all the time to different rescues and shelters and then just not hearing back, which we'll get into later is kind of what informed Rescue Spot, the company that I have today. Um, but I was working with Chic Chien Chateau. I started volunteering a little bit with rescues as I was starting to toy with the idea of giving up acting and really working with animals full time. Um, a project that I had worked on for many years, one year just totally fell through and I was just so burnt out and tired of being in film and just, you know, putting my soul out there over and over and over and over again and living the traditional life of an actor where you're just constantly getting rejections. Um, and for this particular project, it was something that I had produced. I had sold it to the network. I had done everything myself. And so it was a pretty hard blow when then it just fell apart. And I said, I have to do something different. Um, and it was one of those moments where you're like standing on a cliff and you think, okay, I can jump and maybe I'll fly, or maybe this is just going to be a terrible mistake. And I'm just going <laughs> to you know, throw my past 15 years of uh, of work and career out the window for nothing. But I decided to move out of Manhattan, out of Soho, get rid of my apartment, put everything in storage and move to Africa for about four months and live in a tent um, to volunteer with cheetahs and lions and leopards and all sorts of big cats and animal, wild animals in Namibia. Um, and I just, it, it was my time there really cemented the fact that I meant to work with animals. It it was the first time in my life because I started acting at such a young age where I was able to just wake up and not feel any anxiousness or not feel, you know, like an energizer bunny just trying to make it to the next job and next job and next job. I was able to just wake up and be completely at peace with myself. And also, mind you, I was living in a tent with no electricity, waking up at like five in the morning, working nonstop until at least like eight or 9 PM. Um, it was extremely difficult, it emotionally taxing. exhausting and like taxing work and also very yeah. physical work, but I was just the happiest that I'd ever been. Um, and so that really was a major point in my transition where I thought, okay, this is the right fit. Yeah. Um, and so when I got back to the States, I decided that I did 
I was thinking about moving to Africa full time and just living on the sanctuary. Um, but I decided that, you know, I had to get back to my dogs in New York. Um, and that's when I really started taking Chic Chien Chateau a lot more seriously and created it into a foster-based rescue. Um, I, I first worked at other rescue organizations and just found out the way that they really work and um, worked my way up in different positions. And eventually I was offered uh, to take over a massive rescue in New York. And I decided, you know what, let me take this charity that I've already got set up and make it all my own. That's, that's amazing. I, you've given me chills and I'm, it's super inspiring and you're my hero because you did exactly what I wanted to do. Of course, you know, our life paths takes, take mm -hmm. us in different places in different ways, but um, that's amazing. And your wings did come out and they did spread and you were able to fly when you jumped off that cliff. So Godspeed. That's amazing. That's super <laughs> cool. And um, yeah, I love it. It's a great story. And it's not just a story. It's, it's what's, uh, you know, it's what's real for you and you're making a difference in the world. So that, that brings me to, you know, social responsibility um, for people, for the world, for where we are, what's happening in the world. And, and that's a big part of what this show is about and talking about that. And so I wanted to discuss with you, you know, the social responsibility that we have, which I know is, uh, you know, near and dear to your heart as well, which is why you're doing what you're doing. And so, you know, specifically in terms of pet adoption uh, versus buying from stores and breeders. And I was wondering if you could share some of your creative strategies that you found effective in helping to promote pet adoption. Absolutely. Um, with my company today, Rescue Spot, we really focus on trying to not just be a software and technology platform, but really to also be a community for rescues and shelters and help them get the word out there because so many of these rescues and shelters are so bogged down with their just day-to-day -day operations that they don't have the time to advertise pet adoption and to spread the word. Um, so we really try and take that, that responsibility and fulfill it for them. Um, and the great thing about today is that we live in the age of technology where really anybody can have even if they only have a few followers online, they, they can have a real difference in what they put out there into the world, onto the internet. Um, and so one of the biggest things that I found has really been helpful for people who want to spread the word about pet adoption and pet rescue is by just becoming a social justice warrior for pet adoption on your social media. Nice. So many people come to me and they say, oh, well, I only have 100 followers or I only have 50 followers. Um, and those are the people who can make the biggest difference because the people that follow them are really following them. Right. They know, they probably know them personally. Um, they probably trust whoever is posting these posts pretty well because they have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with them. And so if my neighbor who I've known my whole life is all of a sudden talking about pet rescue, I'm going to sit up and pay attention to it. Um, so I would say that is one of the best ways to get the word out there to get attention onto the cause. Um, with Rescue Spot, we are really focusing on social media. We have micro and macro um, influencers, and then we also have our main influencers who have millions of followers, um, and they just sing the word about pet adoption all the time. One of the great things that we do, and that really anyone can do if from home, if they just align themselves with a rescue near them, is we have our influencers take videos of 
the adoptable pets that are on Rescue Spot. And every single week they post Rescue Spot adoptable pets of the week that the influencer chooses. They get video footage from the rescue and then they post that out to their followers. And it's helped get so many pets adopted, fostered. It's helped get tons of donations for the rescues and shelters that we work with. Um, and it's a really cool way for people to get involved from their couch, essentially, to do what I wanted to do when I was acting. But you know, these resources weren't out there. Um, people also, another really cool thing that I see people do is have rescues and shelters come to their office place or to their gym or just any sewing circles that people might have and bring their adoptable pets and everyone pays like $10 for the pets to come that day. The donations all go to the rescue and then people get to play with puppies, which is phenomenal, an amazing thing to do. Sure. It lowers your blood pressure. If you're having yep. a happy day at work and all of a sudden you're smiling, everything's great. You can get through another day. Exactly. And, you know, this makes it, it can make a whole difference in the world for these animals, but also for humans, which is why, you know, it gets to why we love our pets so much. Our animals are, are you know, our furry BFFs. They are healing. They heal us. We heal them. And what a wonderful way to give back. These are phenomenal ideas. I love it. I think it's super great. And if anybody wants to become a evangelist for Adopt Don't Shop, can they just reach out to you? via your Instagram? Absolutely. Yeah, they can reach out um, on the rescue spot Instagram and that's rescue underscore spot um, at rescue underscore spot. Um, they can also go to rescuespot.com and just click contact us, but we can definitely help anyone if they want to become an ambassador for rescue spot. We have a ton of people who are starting to do that. I love that. That's great. I'm going to start selling that every day, everywhere mm -hmm. I go <laughs> to, to all of my uh, pet people as well. So Thank you. That's great. Um, so, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the technology driven platform that Rescue Spot is, and it, it's connecting pet adopters with rescue organizations and their ideal companion animals, which is phenomenal. And I did say that this has the potential to revolutionize the adoption process, which I do believe after learning uh, quite a bit about the background, which we'll get into the details in a little while, because I know that people are going to want to want to hear about it. It's It's fascinating. But I wanted to ask you, if you want to share what your approach was and how you actually built this technology and the process that you went through, if you want to walk through that um, a little bit, just because it's fascinating, I think. Absolutely. Um, it, it Looking back on it now, I'm able to see how all of these different things that happened in my life, that maybe they were frustrating at the time that they happened, they were really happening for a reason because they led me you know, to where I am today. Um like I said, I started Chic Chien Chateau as a matchmaking service. It didn't really work out. I was just filling out tons of applications for pets. I was never hearing back from the rescues. Um, if I did hear back, the pet had been adopted like months before and the rescue just didn't have time to update the website or pet finder or adopt a pet. Um, and what I found was that people were getting frustrated, giving up and going to a breeder or a pet store instead. And I understand that. Um, I understand, like you said, just wanting to love something and feeling so frustrated because you know that you have good love to give and you know that there are adoptable pets out there, but you can't seem to get one. Um, and so it was very frustrating. Eventually, of course, I moved Rescue Spot, uh, I moved Chic Shan Chateau into becoming an actual foster based rescue where we had pets of our own. Um, and at that time, when I was working on Chic Chien Chateau, and also when I was working at different rescues in Manhattan, 
I saw the other side of the coin and I was able to see why it's so difficult for people to rescue pets and adopt pets. And that's because rescue organizations are mainly run by volunteers who are overworked. They don't have the resources that they need that most of them are not getting paid. Um, and they are just getting constantly flooded with emails and applications and phone calls and inquiries that they just can't keep up to. They can't keep up with the demand. Yeah. Um, and so during my time of really having my own rescue, I worked with all of the technologies that were out there, all of the shelter management softwares, um, all of the pet adoption listings, and they weren't that great. They were really cumbersome. They weren't the, where we are in technology today. You should really have an amazing software when you're doing anything in the world, not just pet rescue. It, it can be anything. There's no excuse not to have that. And the softwares that I was using were just really outdated, like something from the late 90s, early 2000s, like really, really bad. Um, and at the same time, I was suddenly tasked with keeping up with emails and phone calls all by myself, reaching out to references. When you reach out to references, um, most rescues, when you have an adoptable pet, you have to give them three to five references if you're interested in adopting. And then somebody has to call those references. I was spending like 30 or more hours a week just calling references, no um, which is insane. Um, then as I got more volunteers, I had different volunteers doing all of this work and they could never keep up with it. Um, so during COVID, like many other rescuers, we had to shut our rescue down because most of our rescue pets came from the South and we weren't able to get them on transport trucks to New York because the transports, you know, were all not running. Um, and so I just got to thinking and I thought, what else can I do that will make a difference in animals' lives, but will help me what, sorry, what can I do right now as the rescue isn't working and isn't running that will actually give back and help animals? Um, and at the same time, I was so frustrated with the process. So I thought there must be something here that I can do. Um, and so I came up with a little outline of what I would like my perfect pet adoption experience to look like. And, you know, what is that? Okay, well, it's not having to fill out all these different applications, just filling out one application. It's being able to instantly talk with the rescues and not have to try and track down their email or phone call, being able to just chat with them, um, being able to see if my application's been opened, being able to sign paperwork from one end. And so I went through that process as an adopter in my head, and then also as a rescue organization, not having to call references. What, what would those steps look like in a perfect world if adoption was really simple and seamless? Um, and so I took all of those steps and I just put it into a basically a wireframe. I just drew out every single page of what a website would look like in my terrible drawings. Um, and just brought it to people and was able to get the initial funding for it. And then from there, it was it was off to the races and we hired developers and just got the ball rolling. That's incredible. Idea to action, making it yeah. happen. And uh, I can appreciate all that you're talking about because I've only adopted animals my whole life. It's just what we always did. I grew up, I was born into a family that there were, you know, mutts and uh, feral cats that we adopted. Everybody always said, oh, bring them over to the Salvaminis. They always take them in. And I now as a 50 something year old woman with, um, you know, 
older teenage boys and we were just trying to adopt a little dog and we've mm-hmm. come up come across you know i had always gone to shelters but it's not like that anymore yeah. and so you go through these rescue agencies and i've i've um hit a, a lot of those roadblocks and bottlenecks that you're talking about and so speaking with you brings understanding of why that is and can help people you know listening understand why that is and and help maybe bring them to your to your platform number one and number two hopefully um show them that there is another way because I've had a lot of my clients in the you know the pet spa that I've had all these years um you know they started out going through the process and hit all those frustrations that you spoke about and they end up coming in with the dog that they bought or the cat that they bought yeah and it's you know again it goes back to they they want to do the right thing people I think inherently are good and they want to do the right thing. But when you hit all of these roadblocks, it's just, you know, what are you going to do? So this is great. What you're describing and laying out is wonderful. It's, you know, you, it sounds like you're addressing the, all the major bottlenecks within the adoption process. So it sounds like maybe it's eliminating. The other big thing was having to fill out an application every time you go to adopt another you know, put in an application for this pet that, you know, cause it's a numbers game, right? So you have yeah. to put in 10 applications to hopefully get a call back for maybe one pet yeah. if you're lucky. And then, and, and then maybe, maybe not even get close to adopting it, but it sounds like, you know, this makes it a lot easier and takes away a lot of that work for the agencies, uh, frustrations for the people. Um, is that, is that accurate? Absolutely. That's our main goal is to simplify everything, streamline everything, and also to standardize everything for the rescues um, and for adopters. Well, that's amazing because then that it sounds to me like uh, rescue agencies should jump on board with you because it's only going to help help them streamline their process, take away a lot of their workload eliminate their frustration and and I'm sure they want to do the right thing by the pets and by the people that's why they originally got into this work in the first place so it would behoove them to to kind of get involved I would think and um and reach out to you as well so it's yeah, yeah this is um this is phenomenal um thank yeah. you for sharing everything that you uh that you did um what a what a mind you have I'm <laughs> I'm I'm Highly impressed. So Nicole, Sheik Sheehan's uh, foster-based approach, you know, you said it kind of fell by the wayside, but, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the foster, um, you know, world, really, Mm -hmm. because, you know, when we're we're discussing how fostering plays a vital role in discovering a dog's real nature and finding them their forever homes, especially for those facing difficult situations, you know, how, how important is that? Um, for foster parents, foster homes to address that? Did, did, you know, did that come up a lot for you? Um, Like being able to, I guess the, I guess rehabilitate or work with these dogs, these pets that, that have had trouble and maybe that's why they weren't getting adopted. So they keep getting, you know, put back into the system. What are your thoughts or what is your experience in how to help those dogs? Yeah. Fostering, I mean, is really, I think, on its way to becoming the cornerstone of pet adoption and rescue. 
I see so many shelters and rescues that have brick and mortar locations starting to move into foster based um, rescues and become foster based rescues because when a pet and it doesn't matter if it is a puppy, if it's an older dog, if it's a you know middle aged dog or cat, when a pet goes into a shelter and they're sitting in a cage, inherently they're going to shut down. Um, that could be shutting down. The shutting down could look many different ways. It could be the pet just being depressed. It could be the pet being aggressive. It could be the pet being hyper, um, extremely hyper and just, you know, running around like a chicken with its head cut yeah, off. It could really be some malfunction. Exactly. Um, it is a very stressful environment just being in a cage to start with 24 seven. Then when you add in noises and people coming in and out of a shelter and so many of the you know government shelters conditions in general it's, it's a terrible it's setting for a pet yeah i can't even go in i just i cry it's, it's, it's terrible it's so depressing it's it's so depressing and it's also really unhealthy i mean so many of these pets that come from acc and government shelters and not privately funded shelters um, they're, they're just rampant with Parvo and Girardia and all of these different illnesses. I, anytime that I would pull a dog from a shelter like that, I would set aside money immediately for the Parvo treatment because I knew that nine times out of 10, it was going to come to me with some sort of an illness. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, it's just a terrible experience for the pet. And what does that translate to? Well, that translates to somebody taking a pet home that is going to be terrified when they get to this new place, maybe never lived in somebody's house before. So it's not going to know what the heck is going on. It's going to test the limits in any way, um, not, not purposely, but just because it doesn't know what it can and can't do. Um, and a lot of times it results in pets that are just not able to fully open up yet. They, they're scared and they're nervous and they don't know what's going on. And so they act shut down or reserved or act out. And then people end up giving the pet back to the shelter. Yeah. Um, and so that's why so many rescues and shelters are moving to foster-based models, because when you bring a pet to a foster home, they're able to really open up and trust people and see, okay, this is okay. I'm safe here. I, no one is harming me. Um, and you're also then as a foster able to see the true personality of the pet. So if someone comes to you and says, Hey, I have very young children and I just want a happy go lucky dog. That's going to be great with kids and is going to let the kids pull on their tail and pull on their ears and be totally fine and not nip them. Well, that's going to be really difficult to tell with a shelter pet. But if you're with a pet that's being fostered by somebody and they know, yeah, this dog, you know, really is just very chill and doesn't care and is, you know, a happy go lucky dog that doesn't really, you know, have any cares in the world. Well, that's going to be a great fit for you. Right. Um, if it's a pet that maybe would nip, then you can say, you know what, this isn't a good fit. And that will keep that pet from then going home with right. those young children and potentially biting them and having to be returned to the rescue or even euthanized. Um, so fostering really is just an amazing thing. And we do see the trends are really moving just upwards. I think it's like 50% of rescues and shelters are now moving to foster-based models. That's incredible. That's really encouraging. And that makes a huge difference in these animals' lives. And I just think it's, uh, I think it's great. I love your insight that you're, you're involved in all of it. So you're a great ambassador for 
the Adopt on Shop and also for fostering. Um, so thank you for sharing your uh, your stories. I really of appreciate course. it. And I was wondering, do you have any heartwarming stories that you can share about your platform's good work? Um, maybe that have brought animals together with their forever families? Oh, absolutely. Um, so one of the things about Rescue Spot, or I guess I'll quickly tell you a little bit about res what Rescue Spot does, because this will um, so what Rescue Spot is, is like you said, it's a, a platform that is for adopters and rescues and adopters can go onto Rescue Spot and they can search for pets nationwide and they fill out a one-time universal application that they can use to instantly apply to adopt or foster any of the pets on the platform. So it's kind of like the common app for colleges, but for pets. Um, we also are one of the are the only fostering platform out there where you can see fosterable pets in your area. Not only can you see them, but you can also apply to foster them. Um, adopters and fosters can instant message with the rescues. We have a Facebook style messaging system. They can see the status of their application in their dashboard. If it's been opened, if someone else adopted the pet, they're able to instantly be notified and know, okay, I should keep looking on my journey. Um, they're able to donate to any pet, apply to volunteer. And then once they are approved for a pet, they can sign all of the adoption contracts, pay the, uh, pay the adoption donation, and also purchase pet insurance. So it's really everything from A to Z for adopters in one place, um, in one spot. And for rescues and shelters, they get a website style profile with a custom URL. They are able to filter through their applications. So if they don't want to see any apps for people who have given up a certain amount of pets or who don't want to spay and neuter, things like that, they can filter through their applications and just see the best possible fits for that specific rescue. We automated the reference process. So every adopt rescue gets three to five verified references with every single application that they receive. They can grow their foster programs and um, complete all adoption paperwork and have complete shelter management software through Rescue Spot. So it's really everything from A to Z for both rescues and shelters um, and sort of a one-stop shop. Yeah. And in that, we've been able to really support smaller rescue organizations that are more niche. So we work with some really cool rescues. One of them is called Baby Kitten Rescue, and they are a neonatal kitten rescue in Los Angeles, California, where they just do God's work. They get these cats that are kittens that, you know, are extremely ill, that have brain uh, tumors and, you know, malformities and all these different things. And they just bring these kittens back to life and find them the perfect home. Um, a lot of disabled cats. It's amazing. Um, and one rescue in particular that I love is called Small Bites Rescue. And they're based in Brooklyn, New York, and they focus on senior pets and smaller, nice. smaller dogs, but also mainly smaller senior dogs. Mm -hmm. um, and it really is so heartwarming because one of the things about Rescue Spot is you're able to search for pets that have special needs. And there really are a lot of people out there that want to adopt yeah. special needs pets and want to foster them. Yeah. They just don't know how to find them. Um, and as clients, yeah. Fran Krangle, I'm giving you a shout out, lady. She does <laughs> it all the time for years and years, always takes the the fosters and takes them in, in pairs. Um, so the, the old ones, the older yeah babies yeah it's so amazing that these angels are out there that are just yeah. watching over the pets that many people overlook um and just 
for myself, looking at a bird's eye view of rescue spot and what's always going on on it. When I see those small bites rescue adoption contracts coming through and see these dogs that, you know, have been overlooked over and over and over again, just because they're a senior or maybe their tongue is hanging out of their mouth. They're, they're still amazing, adorable, loving little dogs. Um, and so it is just the happiest thing when I see these babies being adopted. And they're also, you know, constantly adopting their pets out. They're just getting them out there awesome. in the world. Um, and so it's great that we were able to come together with these rescues and find a place where we can try and support them as much as possible. Are you global as well? We're na currently nationwide. Okay. So hopefully global soon. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's amazing. And um, I thought I remember you mentioning something when we spoke about the, the China, Chinese. Yes. So, we, yes. So yeah. we, so we are, we do have adoptable pets globally to, currently you have to be in the U S to adopt from us. Um, but one of the really cool rescues and organizations that we support, um, is called the big three rescue and they are a rescue that's based in America, but they have shelters in China and I believe Korea as well. And they rescue dogs from the Asian meat trade. Um, these dogs that they rescue are actually mainly purebred. So when people come to me and they say, oh, well, you know, I really want a golden retriever or I really want a Maltese poo or I really, or that's not purebred, a Maltese um, or a poodle or something, a corgi, but I can't get that from adoption. So I have to buy it in a pet store. And that's yeah. what I say, hold on. Yeah. Not only are there rescues that specialize in breeds in the U.S., but also so many of these pets that are in the Asian meat trade are purebred dogs. Um, a lot of them are bred just for the breed because people want to eat a specific type of dog. A lot of times the dogs are stolen from people's homes. They come from dog farms. Um, and so this is an amazing way by adopting a pet from the Asian meat trade. It's an amazing way of a, getting a purebred dog, if that's something that's really important to you, fine. Um, and you're B, saving them. You're saving, exactly, you're saving an animal's life. And you're not just saving them from being euthanized, you're saving them from being eaten. Um, and these dogs are so well adjusted. They really? are the happiest dogs. No doubt. <laughs> that you will ever see in your life. Um, they know. They know, and they're so happy. I have a few friends that have personally, besides just working with the rescue, I have a few friends that have adopted um, from them. And I'm also one of the ambassadors for the Duo Duo Project, which is another um, organization, not so much a rescue, but an organization that really works on fighting the Asian meat trade. Um, so I, I've been exposed to a lot of these pets once they're adopted, and they are just so happy and just ecstatic to be saved and safe and in somebody's home. Um, so I highly recommend if anyone is interested in that adopting. And one of the great things is that you can adopt them from anywhere in the U S you don't have to be local to the rescue. That's incredible. It sounds like, an, like you said, a one-stop shop, it's all yeah. in, encompassing. I mean, it even spans into rescuing dogs uh, throughout the meat market. Which, yeah. is, uh, which is something else. And I'm sure that you're going to expand even further and become yeah. uh, a global, uh, eventually an app. So I'm going to keep watching closely. And I 
am so excited about this project and it's, it's more than just a project. So it's a life-saving measure for so many animals and bringing love into people's lives and, and homes and, you know, really truly matchmaking with our forever companion animals. So bravo, wonderful work. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for sharing your inspiring uh, journey with us today, Nicole. Thank you. It's really amazing uh, to hear about all the work that you're doing. I'm, I'm honored to know you. And to all of our listeners, if you've enjoyed today's conversation, we encourage you to spread the word about Rescue Spot and Shixian Chateau. And please, Share this podcast with fellow animal lovers, potential adopters, and foster parents. And you can even become an ambassador yourself if, if that is something you wish to do. So reach out. And remember, every small effort can make a big difference in the lives of animals in need. So let's keep our hearts full, lead with love, and support our animal friends because together we can use our voices to make a positive impact and change the world for the better. And um, Nicole, thank you so much. I, I hope, I'm just going to say, I'll see you later because I know that I will. Yes. You won't have to actually say goodbye, but I'll say, see you later. And this has been Erica Salvamini for the Rising Lioness on All About Animals Radio. Thank you all for tuning in today. And don't forget to adopt, don't shop. And Nicole, thank you. Thank you, thank everyone. You. I'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.